Check. Testing. Testing. Andy. Check. You shouldn't be testing anymore because this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in uh, Hollywood, California. Do you believe that Andy tests his microphone and that's how professional he is? Uh, I only do it because Matt does it. I see someone else doing it. Like, oh, that seems like someone a pro- something a professional would do. Oh, and if you want to see other things a professional would do, head over to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and Auditorium in Hollywood, California, at Hollywood and Highland. It's a great time. It's the holidays. I'm sure you have visitors coming in. Maybe you're visiting Los Angeles for the first time, and you want to know, hey, what's a fun thing to do? Well, after 5.30 p.m. for $20, you can get two people in. It's a buy one, get one offer. Two people, the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium, ODD, that's odd, ooh, huh? All you have to do is mention this podcast, and you'll be granted access to a, a, I will say, a a cavern of curios. I just uh, coined that, and it's not great. Point is, head over, tell them you listen to the podcast, buy one, get one, Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium in Hollywood, California. Tell them Matt and Andy sent you. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the world's number one podcast for all things Star Trek that is hosted by Andy and myself. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Uh, Thanks everybody for uh, all the kind words. Uh, Andy and I are uh, looking forward to raising a child together. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a lot less arguments about the name probably. Uh, it's going to be very long. There are going to be many references in that name. It's, it, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make it more consistent than the podcast is. Uh, so we're smack in the middle of season four. We we we, ju- we just hit a nice little trifecta of episodes here. Yeah, that I've always enjoyed. Um, weirdly, the the wounded. Uh, I, I, I rarely re- rewatched that episode. And uh, you know what? That's on me. I had an opinion. And I don't Andy remember. had an opinion, which is what we do on the show. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> That's what we deal in the most. I'm trying to remember if I said it on the podcast. We're now recording recording episodes kind of stacked together. Oh, really? I mean, this one comes out tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> this is instantaneous. Yeah. Whatever the case, uh, it was something to do with free will. Uh, no, that's a quote from Time Bandits. Uh, it was uh, something to do with uh, that I don't think the turnaround is Riker's beard or the uniforms. I think those are definitely benchmarks. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we've hit something now that really has, like, this show is operating on all cylinders, that even the episodes that are sort of subpar or off track... Like the acting is so solid and the 
general like the 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 craftsmanship of every part of it is so solid that the the um the odds of it being good have raised exponentially in my opinion and i thought i had a thought of what the what the turning point was it wasn't wesley leaving is it the fourth season i think it's later than the fourth season because i don't even know i mean yes the 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 best of both worlds obviously is amazing then i feel like it takes another little dip at the beginning of the season where there's some episodes well you know you put so much focus into that first one back from that cliffhanger Uh stuff falls to the wayside sure you know you wind up doing an episode about the phantom menace no one cares about and uh, that's that yeah Wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Is he? Are you talking about what? He's talking about another show. Anyway, I'm working on that's a spinoff that's going to have a Phantom Menace episode. Uh, it's not that no one cares about the episode; it's just that uh, no one cares about that movie. And I think that's the point. I can't wait to find out. I think people. I'm going to watch care with everyone. Movie. I don't. I don't care about that movie. But uh, I think that to some people of a certain age, that was their that was their movie. Their foray into. Yeah. Well, I saw it nine times in the theater, so. Who are you going to argue with? You saw Phantom Menace nine times in the theater? Yeah. I was craving for any Star Wars content. And it came out, and it was the summer, and I was 16, and I had nothing else to do. And walking distance to the movie theater. What was your internal internal experience during those nine times? Well, you know, I had, I had patterned it perfectly that I knew when I was walking to the arcade from the theater to the arcade, and then back into the theater. So, like, the entire pod race, I was always... Up, oh, time to go play some arcade games. <laughs> oh, you were picking and choosing. Oh, are you kidding? Well, by the time you're seeing you it the had third your own... time, I'm like, well, I know what I want to watch and what I don't want to watch. You had your own Blu-ray. I did, yeah. I had my <laughs> own chapter skip, which just was me skipping out to the arcade that was in the theater. Showcase Cinema in Lowell, Massachusetts. Still there. Did you sneak in, or did you you actually paid your no, ticket buy, every I'd time? I buy a ticket every time, yeah. Wow. You know, got to make sure they make more Star Wars movies. Seems like you had a lot of cash on hand as a child. <laughs> I mean, it was a movie ticket. I would get like, you know, my mother would give me like $20 and say, get out of here. Uh, how much was the movie ticket? A matinee at that time? Probably eight bucks. Uh-huh. That's not, that's, that's you know, that's not uh, more than four, I guess three viewings would have. Well, I wouldn't get $20 and that'd be it yeah. for the week. Right. Okay. You know, I, would also, I was also working at that time. Yeah. You know, Brooks Pharmacy. Oh, you were? I've been working since I was 15. Wow. I had internships and stuff like that. Yeah. I had a couple of jobs in there, but mostly it was planning for my glory. <laughs> yeah, no, I've uh, I've been working for so long at this point. I feel like, well, how long have I been working? 20, I've been working for 20 years. Yeah. And it feels uh, like I've worked too hard for most of it. Right. And that's why we do podcasts, Andy. You don't have to work so hard. But you got all those guitars to show for it, buddy. That's something. <laughs> anyway. Dropped off three at Westwood Music. If you want to buy some lefties, they got some for sale. You, and wh- what makes you switch them out? My wife. Oh. <laughs> makes me not have so many. How would Borat say that? My wife. <laughs> he did it. Um, Matt. Yeah, Andy. Would you have? Do you want to talk about the thing, or do you want to talk about? Would you watch this episode of the Wounded? Yes, the new series, the Wounded, the new series, the Wounded. I'd watch this episode, sure. You know, if not, just for the Chief O'Brien of it all. Um, 
That's the fun of a when a show gets in a later run, you can spend a little time on these characters that are hanging around and peripheral, and you know, you just give them an episode because you uh, have the real estate to do it. And reali- tell the stories, you know. I realize we didn't trade our our uh, ratings, uh, our pre-conversation ratings. Yeah, so far it's been uh, lackluster on both sides. Oh, you want to drop that from the show? Well, in the sense that like we've stuck to our ratings, and anytime you say that. Here's the thing. Every time we say our rating is higher or lower based on what the other person is saying, we always say it out loud. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's, not like we're gaining any new information. Uh huh. Because you're always like, you know, at first I liked this episode, but hearing you talk about it a little more, blah, 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 blah. That's usually how we do it. So we talk it through. Yeah. All right. We, yeah. we gave it a shot. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I was dropping it from the... I feel uh, like the last two episodes, by the way, we forgot to play trailers. Oh. I forgot to play trailers. Did we? It's not that you did. That's not possible. Did we play a Data's Day trailer? Oh, we did, but we didn't play a wounded trailer. Are you sure? Uh, no, not entirely. Whoever's listening is probably <laughs> sure. Wait, somebody, somebody with OCD has really lost their minds. Yeah. I can tell you that. You know, it used to always bother me when I would listen to uh, Howard Stern on the regular. Hi, Bo. Um, and he, a caller would call in about something. Bo, he has hot coffee. Get off. Bo. Down. He's really... He's really boxed me into it. It's strategically, he wants to lick my face, and I have a mic in one hand, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm balancing a hot coffee coffee cup in the other. So, okay, so my face was completely exposed. But yeah, I get. It. I used to like listen to Stern when callers were calling about something that happened like two weeks ago. I have such vivid memory of listening to it. Yeah, but how are we like? I have no idea what you're talking about. And would it drive you crazy? Yeah, it would drive me crazy as a listener. Be like, how does he not know this thing that I found so funny that they did a week ago? Oh and it's God. just like you've done people so many so episodes. Irritated. I can't. People, people tweet and people uh, write in sdtncpod at gmail, mm-hmm. um, and they're like, my take on it is <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. I yeah. don't remember the last episode. Totally. <laughs> I, everybody stack everything with context. I at think the top. it's yeah. I think it's hard to um, it's hard to separate the idea of like between ex- being in the conver- do having a conversation yourself with someone and just mm. just all you have to do is eavesdrop on the conversation. Right. If all you're doing is eavesdropping on a conversation, I think you process a lot more of it. Oh, that's a valid point. You know. Anyway, so that's what I'm saying. After 900 episodes of Nerdist and and uh, you know what are we at now? I mean, we're we're we're, hitting, we're close to a hundred here. Yeah, should we have something um, we do when we hit a hundred? Uh, how about an episode, <laughs> <laughs> guys? We're gonna do a very special hundredth episode when we reach a hundred episodes. It's gonna be out on time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, long story longer. Don't feel so bad if we don't remember the thing you remember. Like we appreciate that you love it and listen to it. And if I was listening to it, I would probably also have the same feeling you do. But it's hard to keep it in your brain when you're talking. My only request is just give me context, and I'm happy to engage. Give Andy context. He's happy to engage. Matt, would you like to pop over to our second favorite place in the world? Uh, water country? What's water country? It's a water park in, in New Hampshire. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> Sounds like I would be... I, feel, I don't know if I would be on board for that. You don't know if you'd be on board for water country? I'm not a, I'm not a wet rides kind of... Kind of Bro, <laughs> uh, you know that's weird. You say that because every time I look at you, I'm like, "Oh, that's a wet rides, wet rides, bro." <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's all sorts of all sorts of horrible 
um, connotations you can draw from that. But uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's. I'm not. I'm not all about the beach. I'll enjoy the beach if it's nice. Andy, this is this is pertinent to everybody because the channel I would watch Star Trek on as a kid, Star Trek: The Next Generation, on yeah. first run when it was in first run syndication, it would air on WNDS, okay, which is the winds of New England. They would call it. Mine was WPIX. Uh, we got picks, 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 picks too. Did you? Yeah. Oh wait a minute. Would they have done it differently in Boston than New York? No, it was the same. We got your. We got the New York station. Am I crazy? Was it UPN? No. Or whatever no. the UPN no. was before? No, because it didn't exist until Voyager. All right. Um, yeah, it must have been WPIX. So, we. Uh, I just got, I'm going to play the Water Country commercial that would constantly air when I was watching. Are you ready? When I was watching. Okay. <laughs> Star Trek. They had a song. Adventure this summer. Visit Water Country. Look at how fit those people are. Giant wave pool, seven spectacular water slides, bumper cycle boats, and more exciting fun for the whole family. So take the plunge, ride, ride the, the waves, waves, have some fun, spend the day at Water Country Route One, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He invented rap. There it is. Is that have last some, thing? Have some, have some fun. fun. <laughs> uh, so sounds like a command. Look, I'm sure that uh, any of our New England listeners who are of a similar age to me vividly remember that. <laughs> and uh, you're welcome for that walk down memory lane. I was actually talking about the Admirals Club at your leisure. Oh, so not 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 the not, not water local country. water park that was open in New Hampshire. No, cold, I I very, can see how that would have cold place that really only made sense to be open a month and a half. Seriously, out of what were the how many months is it warm in, in Boston? Somehow I feel like it's two. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that, Andy, because the 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 whole the whole thing with like a having a theme park. The other theme park we had over there was um, uh, Canopy Lake Park, which was open essentially from. Memorial Day to Labor Day, like that's how long things can be open out there. I'm sure it's, it's not a lot, of, but you come out here and you Six Flags is open 365 essentially, almost. You know the Disney. You been to a water park out here? It's hard to imagine you enjoying a water. I don't park. go to water parks. Yeah. Do you enjoy the beach? Ugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do I enjoy the beach? <laughs> Matt has never said to me, "Hey, you want to go to the beach?" Ugh. I he mean, said, "Do you want to get a burger?" Uh, yeah, I, that I can I'm do. I'm always down for it. That I can do. I tried to get him to come to a burger last weekend, and he didn't want to go. We had podcasts to do. I was here for the fans. I, oh, that's such a um, convenient argument. We could have right. gone before. Well, you had to work. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, that is true. Well, it's all coming back. Andy's now remembering his terrible weekend last week when he was working. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> My weekend combusted last weekend. I was working all weekend. Well, it's given a late assignment. You know what's not combusting? What? The Admirals Club. Let's hop on in. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. ba 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 da ba 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 Wait, are you trying to change that song? No, I was asking you in my own language. <laughs> How do they get into the Admirals Club? Oh, uh, you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are listened to, you'll be a member. And if you're lucky, we'll read about it here. 
Uh, our first one's from Radical P, who says, This podcast, guys, my hat goes off to whichever one of you did that spot-on Jan- Jonathan Frakes impression back in the day. Almost perfect. A little off at times, which my <laughs> expert ear detected, but good for you. Next time, try it with a little more pizzazz. I give it five Frakesies. Anyway, great co- podcast. Let me know if you ever want to meet up to play Dom Jot Humans. What's that? Any idea? You Ensign's, will have an idea in season five, my friend. Oh, Ensign Zeroth Class O'Brien. Um, and, oops, sorry. <laughs> um, another uh, person says, great from... More energy, Andy. Sorry. Great! There we go. From Mick Zizial. Uh, I love Star Trek. It's the main contributor to my becoming a physicist. Cool. That said, I hate listening to people talking about Star Trek. Okay. Let me make sure this guy had a good review. Hey, look, it's five stars. We don't care. It is five stars. I just want to make sure. Sometimes uh, the, the one of five slips slips by, and I'm like, this isn't a good review. It's okay, though. You guys can give us a bad review as long as you give us five stars. Somehow, uh, that ruins it for me. But for reasons I can't understand, this podcast never fails to entertain me. They found a way to talk about stuff without making me hate it. These guys are the best. When I figure out how to build a photon torpedo, I'll be adding Secunda and Myra to the list of inventors on the patent since they'll be keeping me company during the entire development phase. How do you feel about this guy uh, developing a photon torpedo? I like a photon torpedo. Yeah. Why not? So you're not against the development of weapons as long as they're... Look, I'm old school Stark, you know? (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're pre-Iron Man Tony Stark I'm pre-Iron Man Tony Stark That is weird It's who has the best weapons That's, <laughs> that's the key um, Alright, with that uh, We can uh, pop into the United Federation of Planets President Circle, my friend Oh, well, Andy, I have exciting news for you Okay uh, They've just fired up a new program in there That okay. I think I'm going to like more than you Alright Let's go I think I successfully harmonized on that one. Oh, oh my god. Jackpot's gosh. getting hit over here. <laughs> hey guys. Yeah. You just hit a nice jackpot. <laughs> I wouldn't count on oh. this one going away anytime soon, guys. You better max bet, sir. There you go. I'm pretty sure that Matt slipped some uh, some credits to the hollow DJ for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's the Iron Man oh, <laughs> slot. Greatest slot ever. Oh, we got some. Someone's still putting coins in. I like it. Um, okay, our first Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee. By the way, if you wanna you wanna get a shot at the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, all you gotta do is pop over to our Patreon, join. Whoa, Hollow DJ really cranked it. Uh, join our um, our uh, United Federation of Planets President Circle Patreon tier. You will get access to both bonus pods. And um, if you uh, write something in our December or whatever month it is, subspace messages, then... Uh, what are you laughing at? Not, not uh, slick enough? I'm laughing at Andy trying to officially get information out. It's so hard. It's really funny to watch. i got to write it down somewhere. Anyway, our first one is Lieutenant Alexis Boussier, uh, who says, Andy, if in a true survival situation, 
would you be capable of killing and eating Matt? Because I worry that if you wait for the moral and ethical questions to answer themselves, you would likely die of starvation first. Asking for a friend. Huh. So I'm guessing we've explored all the other options of survival. And it's like, there's no way. I think Andy would kill an Amy. I think you have a... Do I have grilling equipment? Uh, look, I think you have a survival instinct. I think you're... This is, a, this is a nice way of saying you're very selfish in the sense that, like, you'll do anything to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you compare me to species-wise in the Star Trek universe? I mean, look, the list goes on and on. I don't know that we've met any of them yet, but... Uh, you're 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 Secundus of Borg, in yeah. a, in a, but with a more of a survival instinct and less of a collective consciousness. Right. <laughs> I definitely don't have an, a collective consciousness. Um, I think that uh, I'd like to think that I would. You know, it's it's funny. It's an interesting question. Of I definitely am a survivor, but would my brain kick into such a hardcore survival mode? Do I have to kill him? That's an interesting question. Well, that's what it says, right? Killing. Yeah, eat. killing and eating. You gotta do both, pal. Yeah, but then if I kill you, yeah, and then I survive, yeah, I well, gotta uh, live with that knowledge. That's all right. <laughs> would you kill and eat me? No, you wouldn't do it. No, I would be concerned about what what uh, I would try, I'd be trying to get us both uh, fed. I will say this: I, if either of us killed and ate the other, that is not a healthy diet either of us is eating. We're not you know, going to live that long. I was pitching you to be the one we kill and eat at work the other day. Yeah, because we were discussing who we would kill and eat, and I said we should eat Secunda. And then Bishop's like, "No, he's stringy," and I'm yeah. like, "Well, no, Andy's <laughs> like a fucking um, wagyu beef. Like they just feed wagyu beefs the richest of foods to keep their marbling nice." I'm like, Andy would be delicious. <laughs> That is true. There is enough seasoning inside me to satisfy. We're not going to do much to it, you know? A little little salt, he's good to go. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Elizabeth Simpson says to us, question for both of you, if you were a professional basketball player, sorry, this is more appropriate, if you were a professional baseball player, which position would you play and why? I'm going to ask and answer quickly because I'm sure Matt will be more in depth. Uh, I would be second base. You don't need much of an arm. I think I'm quick. And I don't have to run as far out into the field. <laughs> I guess that's reasonable. Uh, you know, when I played, I was a third baseman. So I'd stay there as a lefty third baseman. I had my glove on the line, ready to go. Did you have go. the arm? I started as a third baseman, but I just didn't have you know, the arm. I had an arm. Uh, and then at some point, my arm just, like, I lost my arm. I don't know where it went. Uh-huh. I like it back at some point. Uh, but, yeah. No, Did I, you have the quickness to, like, that's the hot corner, isn't it, Matt? I was an all-star. Really? Yeah, a couple years in uh, Little League, I was an all-star. And then, you know, I played in, ba- what in age high is school. Little League? 10, 11, and 12. And you were a football player, too. I was football and baseball in high school. You're a real closet jock. Real closet cool dude who would spend his summer going to the Phantom Menace nine times. All right, you had a mixed, you had a mixed bag. <laughs> it wasn't that mixed, really. Jarrett, I just happen to like sports. Go ahead. Uh, and then Lieutenant Sh- Jarrett Sean Campbell did not write us a subspace message, but he pledged $50 on Patreon for no reason at all. So you can send in a message. We're, we'll read it unless it's patently offensive. But uh, until then, I'm, I'm awarding you a Christopher Pike Medal of Honor just for your just nonsensical generosity. It's that just is, beautiful. That is some nonsensical uh, generosity, and we appreciate the Christmas card. Thank you so much. 
Lieutenant Campbell. Uh, and that's it. All right, Andy, we're going to head out of here. We'll come back later to uh, decree some names of the people kind enough to be members of the President's Circle. Let's head on out, Andy. I'm going to hit. go ahead and hit the button. I forgot that I control the door. <laughs> I'm not... Got it all rigged. None of these doors work. If I'm, if there's gonna fire in there someday, I'm really gonna be in trouble. Are we? Uh, we're in the Admirals Club. I know we're in the Admirals Club right now, but we go out to the hallway, right? That's correct. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it is really crazy how uh, little of the show stays in my head. Anyway, let's head out. That's the Admirals Club. Look. Uh, we can take a more direct route. Not so many doors today. It's true. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. The hail bag is officially open. Uh, <laughs> is that going to be? It's gonna, it might be my new uh, catchphrase. It's not much of a catchphrase. It really just states what the sound effect just said. Um, wedding from Data's Day from Jay Walsh. Hi, Andy. Um, I uh, just wanted to share it. He's saying it to both of us, obviously. I uh, yeah, just sure. wanted to share a cool thing I noticed in Data's Day. Picard's ceremony, since the days of uh, the first wooden sailing ship. Is the same as Kirk's speech in the original series when he's marrying. Anyway, go ahead and finish the email. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. What? <laughs> in Balance of Terror. Did you know that? Or yes, you were just I knew assuming that. that? No, I knew I thought that. That was a cool and subtle nod to TOS. Boy, have you undermined this hell. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wrote that? <laughs> you should, if that, if that? Who wrote it? If that was a captain, the Jay Walsh. Jay Walsh. John Walsh. John Walsh. Yeah. You're a good man. <laughs> I and would take you know that. What? You know what? I, I feel, would take that, it, that tepid apology, John. No, here's what I think, John. I think I was derelict in my Star Trek podcast host trivia duties uh-huh. in not mentioning that. Oh, and that's why you were sour about it. Yeah. Um, Frederick Rombouts, a frequent writer-in and Patreon member, says, Hi, guys. In Data's Day, Andy was all, WTF is this story uh, Riker is telling when he's chatting up the FAMAL uh, security officer. Um, the script reveals it to be... Andy, it's FAMALE. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, script also, some, some people had commented that I did not react in my typical Secunda um, obsessive manner uh, commenting on the attractiveness of the female security officer and that's because I respected the duty she was doing on the bridge Andy only and respects women know. if they have weapons <laughs> that's probably true um, the script reveals it to be a bad dad joke and uh, he quotes from the script um, this is Riker uh, he still won't talk so they put it, put the count's head on the chopping block one more chance says the queen no says the count the headsman swings his axe Axe, and just as the blade falls, the count says, Wait, wait, I'll talk, but it was too late. And the moral of the story is don't hatchet your counts before they chicken. I think something's don't, oh, don't hatchet. Oh my god, don't count your hatchets. No, I they... ruined his terrible joke. And the moral of the story is don't hatchet your counts before they chicken. All right, no, it's... no, appropriate in the dad joked him. But still, what do you think? It's just like it's just a jumble of words. That doesn't really even work as a joke. I mean, I guess if you dissect w- the words, then the puns work. But it's really, yeah, don't. It's really garbled, and difficult. Count, you know, and that's I think the polite smile from he was getting from each of the officers around him was all he deserved. I wonder. I wonder what the legitimate 
Like, Frakes is definitely a funny person in real life. I wonder what legitimate level of comedy is amongst the Star Trek writers at the time. <laughs> so much of the comedy fails on the show. And I feel like they the comedy only really succeeds... And I would make this distinction, actually, of comedy on Broadway. Most comedy... Uh, is absolutely correct here. Most comedy outside of Book of Mormon, which is absolute perfection. Hang on, Andy. Let me just let me just pipe in here. I, I'm staring at my guitars for no reason. I'm just zoning out. But uh, Are those Telecasters? No, they're Les Paul Juniors. Oh. Well, they're specials. They're specials, not juniors. Well, that's a junior. That's a special. That's a special. Um, here's... Telespecial? Here's the thing about... Uh, Book of Mormon. Are they telespecials? No. No, oh. no, no. Because no. mine is Les a telespecial. Yours is, yours, yeah, but yours is a Fender. Fender. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyone wondering what the telespecial was? It was a <laughs> run of guitars. They're the nerd bullying the... about the guitars. I know nothing about guitars. <laughs> uh, they, Andy's uh, telly is a humbucker. Um, okay. So, Book of Mormon. Here's the situation. I had not seen any Broadway plays. First thing I see is Book of Mormon, and I go, that's, All right, hang on. I go. Well, this is this is this is this is pretty vintage uh, Trey and Matt. This is like a this is this is like a middle good episode of South Park. Oh my gosh, that's how funny this is. Because I think South Park is so funny, and this is like oh, that was a decent episode of South Park. So you think that, that's a middling episode? Totally. Of South Park. I think they are so much better than hmm. that. Um, but then I went and saw other Broadway plays, and I was like. Oh, I get it. This is the funniest thing that's ever been on Broadway in the history of Broadway. Hands down. And that's why people love it so much, because they're so used to garbage yeah. for comedy. Without question. Uh, so my You hear that, Neil Simon? Neil Simon was <laughs> funny. I will I will amend it though. Uh uh, yeah, that's fair. Neil Simon was legit. However, Neil Simon also was uh, not to speak ill of the genius dead, but but uh, that's also that's also he wasn't musicals; he was plays. Different. I I put every all comedy in the same box in terms of Broadway because it's like yeah. you do musicals or you do whatever; it's all the same box. But the my point is this: I think the dramatic shows have more successful comedic moments that are organic and amazing and subtle and well-delivered than the comedy moments. Because as soon yeah. as they think they're being funny, they are not being funny. Almost yeah. across the board. And it's also like, you know, when you're watching a dramatic performance of something and there is a funny moment, it's the, it's the tension it's the release, release that gets everybody I to guess go. So, and you're like, yes, that, that works To there. me, and this, and this is where I'm drawing the parallel back to TNG, to me... It's when they're building the comedy organically out of the the character moments and the and the sure-handedness of the actors and they're not saying now it's time for us to be funny. Mm. That's when they nail it. That's why Dorn is such a genius in the show. Cuz he's just playing the reality of his character. Am I boring you? Am I boring me? Anyway, Andy, they're not going to answer you. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> uh, thank you, Frederick. Uh, oh, also, the script also reveals that the original song that Data and Beverly was going to practice dancing uh, to to be Blue Moon instead of Isn't It Romantic. I like when people are giving me notes from the script that uh, I, d- I overlooked. I think rem- I remember hearing really derelict in our duties last week as trivia people. <laughs> that's true. That well, it's not really our area. That one reason. 
Casablanca used as time goes by was because the movie studio owned the rights of the song. Very frequently done. Um, that was me, Matt, saying very frequently done. Uh, the recording studio that owned it, this is Frederick again. Um, so they just used a tune they didn't have to pay extra for. Wonder if something similar happened with here with Paramount, and isn't it romantic? I'm 100% sure. Well, I'm 98% sure that you're right. Frederick. No, I'm 1,000% sure. You can't. They're not going to spend the money on a song. True. If they don't have to. And then the last thing uh, is that I mentioned offhandedly that uh, our uh, our very loyal member of our crew, Nicholas McGray, who didn't tell me how to pronounce his name. So if it's Magri or Magray, then I apologize. It's your countryman from uh, from Mass. Uh, hey, Adam and Mott. <laughs> he said Mott. Adam and Mott. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yes, because uh, I mentioned it in the last podcast, and he confirmed it. Yes, I got hitched in June. I attached a picture that I posted to the face group. My husband, a non-Trekkie, who just started using a tricorder in a sentence correctly, so I'm slowly turning him, is on the left, I'm on the right. Um, that'll be in face group if you guys want to check it out. Um, keep up the mediocre and hilarious work. Best, Nick from Massachusetts, the motherland. Um, and I, bet, I, bet, I bet Nick knows water country. Oh, yeah, I bet he does. And by the way, uh, I did a little digging, and uh, Nick's husband, which I may have mentioned at some point before, his his husband's name is Wesley. So that guy had a leg up in the courting process, I'll tell you that. He didn't even realize. Way to do some digging, pal. <laughs> um, that's Congratulations, and a mazel tov. It for the hell. <laughs> Frequencies closed, sir. I can't believe it. Does this mean we can start the show now? We sure can. Buddy. Oh wow! Thank God, no corrections, no omissions. This is exciting, Andy. Matt, let me tell you the date that this show premiered. It was February fourth, nineteen ninety-one. What in the heck was going on? Well, was uh, Madonna still number one? It was. The first time by Surface. I have no idea what this is. Well, Andy, you're going to experience the first time by Surface. It'll be interesting. This is from Lieutenant Matthew Kirk, um, who, who if you have have any additions for upcoming episodes you'd like to send in, send it into thisdayintrek at gmail.com, and Matt Kirk will will take a look at it. Um, He's our historian on board. Um, the first time by Surface topped the U.S. radio charts. You want to go to the? I have no idea. Yeah, hey, once you get to the chorus, I don't recognize know. this gentleman. He looks like um, who's the? So like uh, kids, less cool brother from Kid Play. Kids older brother, <laughs> or not older a kid. Brother. <laughs> yeah, kids dad. <laughs> Kids adult. Um, anyway, uh, the first time by Surface topped the U.S. radio charts while Sadness Part 1 by Enigma was still preferred in the U.K. Spiritual Life of Children by Robert Coles was a bestseller, and Home Alone enjoyed its 10th week in the lead at the box office. What a what a juggernaut that movie was. The Battle of Kafji occurred, marking the first major ground engagement of the Persian Gulf conflict. Kenan Ivory Wayans hosted the 18th uh, American Music Awards 
Major winners included MC Hammer, Janet Jackson, Vanilla Ice, New York Giants, narrowly defeated the Buffalo Bills 20 to 19 in Super Bowl 25. Um, Time Magazine's cover featured a scene of several small explosions with the caption, War in the Gulf, Baghdad, January 7th, 2.44 a.m. And uh, that is your <laughs> This Day in Trek. <laughs> That's what vamping by Andrew he's going, he's going like, down to the, He's going down to the second on that one. <laughs> Uh, Luckily, it was written in. It wasn't... Uh, oh, thank God. I thought you were just making up times. <laughs> no, that would have been, been a hilarious and boring way to stretch. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm imagining... Yeah, and then you like, start talking the about Gulf the weather. Happened, yeah. You're talking about the weather that day. I mean, it, it was, was probably sunny. Uh, temperate. <laughs> 83 degrees. Uh, Start at 447. I'm sorry. Andy. Yes, Matt. I told you the wrong date. Well, I think... You read the right date. It was January 28th, 1991. That's correct. I read you the date for next week's episode. Okay. Foolishly. No. So so uh, you can hit uh, delete. You don't have to save the angry emails to your, to your drafts folder, everybody. I've corrected myself. A lot of people tweet <laughs> right immediately when they hear it. That's so true. Uh, this is uh, directed by Chip Chalmers, teleplay by Jerry Taylor, with a story by Stuart Charno, Sarah Charno, and Cy Chermak. A, a trip, a triple, a triple story, and a single teleplay. Chermak. What? <laughs> Chermak really sounds like a, a Star Trek name. <clears throat> Here we go. Picard is shocked to learn a renegade Federation starship under the command of Benjamin Maxwell is destroying Cardassian ships, threatening the fragile peace that the Federation and the Cardassian Empire have achieved after years of skirmishes. He invites the Cardassians, uh, the Cardassian Galmaset aboard to witness the pursuit of the ship, the USS Phoenix. Both watch in horror on long-range scans as two more Cardassian ships are destroyed. O'Brien, Maxwell's former tactical officer, says he finds the decorated captain's axe hard to believe. Maxwell, he says, must have a reason for the attacks. Intercepted at last, Maxwell gladly comes aboard to tell Picard he has proof the Cardassians are rearming for war. Picard refuses and orders Maxwell to surrender, but he aims to fight until O'Brien breaks the standoff by beaming over and quietly persuading his old captain to give up. Massette is relieved, but Picard sternly warns him that despite Maxwell's crimes, he knows he had the truth. Whew. What? a small way to describe such a meaty episode if you ask me you really liked it huh uh you know there's a lot happening in it that i dig you dig i do dig and uh, there's a lot in it that i whoops <laughs> thanks everybody see you next week <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go cardassians introduced in this episode I think it's Kardashian. Captain's log started. Stop it. That joke was never funny. <laughs> no. We're on a mapping survey near the Cardassian. I'm letting everyone know, though. It, it has been I will say years. it not as a joke, but by, as a mistake. No less than <laughs> than seven times before we get to DS9, because it's so built into my head the other way. Peace treaty. I apologize in advance. I'm reversed. Between the Federation and Cardassia. Captain, we are nearing the periphery of sector. <laughs> Does he mean Calabasas? Cardassia, get it? Because they all live in Calabasas. Can't you made <laughs> crap on my terrible. One five zero three. 
Who is yeah, that guy? I gotta say, the, hel- the the switching of the helmsman and them being so prominent in every shot really disturbs me. Well, I mean, it was built to have a helmsman that you would know. Why didn't uh, Why didn't they just get why didn't an, they a fill it? Why didn't they fill it? I have no idea. I understand that you don't want you don't want to pay a regular, so just get a person and then keep the person and give them lines when you want to give them lines. It's crazy. The wolf is your behavior soon. Even with the treaty, they're still skittish about protecting their border. Also, bump O'Brien up to that spot. Wouldn't it be fun to have him back up there? That's such a good... Like, why didn't they just well, do that? I mean, at this point, they're probably like, okay, we're going to launch this other show. We're going to bring O'Brien over. Oh, is that happening by this point? Uh, what is it, season four? Yeah, I, I think that, that launches were... in season five, I thought they didn't five, bring O'Brien six, in until later. Six. No, O'Brien's there from episode one of Blue Space Nine. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. that's delightful. Last time I was in this sector... I was on the stargazer running at warp speed ahead of Cardassian. Here we go with the stargazer again. Running, Captain? You? That's hard to believe. Believe it. I've been sent to make preliminary overtures to a truce, and I've lowered my shields as a gesture of goodwill. The Cardassians were not impressed. They had taken out most of my weapons and damaged the impulse engines before I could regroup and run. The Cardassians have no honor. I do not trust them. There are allies now, Mr. Worf. We have to trust them. Trust is earned, not given away. I'm with Worf. (laughs) (laughs) I like the look that Picard and Riker share between them, which is like, I told you, he's a little nuts. Are you sure we want to give him the phasers? (laughs) (laughs) I hope their scout ship makes contact soon. It's not a good idea to stay too long on a Cardassian border without making your intentions known. So, uh, look, I generally hate stories. <laughs> I didn't expect that to be the, uh, the opening uh, salvo. <laughs> I generally hate stories that are told by... Side characters? No, by main characters. Two other main characters. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Like, I always find it hard for people to pull like, off Like, this is what happened in the, in the past to me kind yeah. of deal? Yeah. Yeah. I always find it hard to pull off acting-wise. But, you know, if someone could do it, it's Patrick Stewart. And he does a decent job. I, you know, what do you got to say about... That's right. I just said Patrick Stewart did a decent job. <laughs> hey, Patrick Stewart, you can rest easy. <laughs> <laughs> All your Shakespearean training finally added up to Matt giving you an, <laughs> an, a pass. <laughs> what is it? Kelp buds, plankton. You know, one thing, it probably, the reason it, it, it bumps a little bit, because later in the episode, uh, Colmini gives an amazing uh uh, you know, story from the past moment, just really like grounded and organic, and and well, organic, not a you know. Well, last that, time I that's was here, the thing. Like, that's why his his the obstacle is so much higher there. It's, it's yeah. just like I'm just chatting, and I'm really the kind of character that wouldn't chat like this generally. <laughs> Although you know, every time it seems like they have a free downbeat with Picard, they do sort of try to give him that kind of a thing, and I do like it because I it, like it too. But it, it shows also another color. But it's also like a color that the character doesn't seem to really have. I guess, Except for, I guess, the fact that they show it. So because they show it, then it must mean that the character must have that color. You know what's funny you is what that saying? I do know what you're saying. It's, it, kind of, it kind of reveals, even though it's him talking about being a warrior, he's generally that way about anything he's nerding out about. Like, he nerds out about 
you know, strategy and battles. He's, he nerds out about archaeology. He does the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, in this civilization, it's blah, 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 and goes goes off. And it's sort of, I do wonder, <laughs> what a, in, the, in the world of TNG, is the crew like, oh, boy. <laughs> Or is it? Are they like? Oh, I know. I would love to hear all the battles. I stories. bet they're like, oh boy, we're in for a rough week because usually when he starts this, something big happens. Yeah. <laughs> and he's setting something up. By the way, I love that they go from them getting married right into their married life. It's very healthy. I had this every morning when I was growing up. What? No muffins or oatmeal or corned beef and eggs. For breakfast? Keiko. This is a conversation they would have had long before they got married. That's yeah, all I want to say. That is true. <laughs> I've been thinking. hundred. You've been introducing me to all this wonderful food that you're accustomed to. I'd like to do the same. Isn't that what marriage is about? Sharing? What kind of foods? Scalloped potatoes, mutton shanks, oxtails and cabbage. I feel like this is... Kind of heavy. Oh, you'll love it, I promise. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that that run is more offensive than any uh, terrible Irish impression I've ever done. <laughs> I disagree. I think that's all foods that they the people in that region enjoy in the morning. None you know of what? that none of that struck me as odd. I, I like a cabbage. Yeah, but it's such a You know what I love such more? an interlocked global culture now. Such a and it's only like Something that makes me miss home a lot is a good boiled dinner. The corned beef and cabbage and potato and carrot. Really? Boiled dinner. I mean, there's a nice Irish bread, too, an Irish soda bread. I do love the Irish soda bread. I feel like there aren't any fucking Irish people out here. It's very annoying to me. Do you want to find ourselves a nice, authentic Irish? Where? I mean, the best bet used to be Bergen's, but yeah, that's Bergen's closed. Was the best. It's closed. If, you're, if you want to send Irish soda bread to Andy Secunda and Matt Myra's P.O. Box, please do so. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get some. I'll eat it. Don't poison us. Thanks. I can still remember the aromas when my mother was cooking. She cooked? Oh, she didn't believe in a replicator. She thought real food was more nutritious. She handled real meat? She touched it and cut it? Yeah, like a master chef. She was fantastic. Of course, I'll have to use the replicator. I'll make something special for you tonight. You'll love it, I promise. Okay. Maybe I'll have something special for you tonight, too. Is this the kind of thing we see on the show? I don't remember seeing a moment like I mean, that. On we the never show. see a moment between people who are in a relationship. Yeah. So. I mean, you see, I guess you see a lot of stuff go down with Riker and, and ironically, the other Irish lass. But, uh, but this is. Which uh, was, I think, just as just as uh, on the nose as this yeah by the way get it O'Brien yeah (laughs) I do also like that they all of a sudden you're in the quarters with somebody and then the red alert message happens and he's got to go to the transporter room I was so irked by these kind of scenes in the first couple of seasons I'm I love it I think they're they're totally great I want to see this stuff you were irked by side. them because you didn't know these people I don't think that's true I think they them. were inorganic and, well they weren't and forced and this yes was, and yes we set up the these guys got married now I want to see alert. them have these little Take subtle emergency stations Cardassian ship preparing to fire again sir do you think they put O'Brien on the same deck as the transporter room he works out of just for this kind of thing or oh i had a 
I don't know if we should get into it now. Oh no! What did you have? I wonder if I was looking at the blueprints wrong. The uh, I was looking at some blueprints that were in the face group of the ship, and uh, they had, I think, Worf and Data super close. Their quarters are super close. Yeah, Worf and Data are interior quarters. Yeah, they don't have windows. And it's interesting to On me that deck, uh, aren't they in like deck? Three or something. I can try and don't find look it, it up. It's Riker fine. and Riker and um, and Troy. Deck they're, eight. They're very close to each other, far away. Yeah. Which I thought that was odd. Like, how come? I think Riker makes the assignments. I feel like he's like, you know what? There's, like, there's a lot more, a lot more hotties on that side of the ship. <laughs> Me and Troy in the back, <laughs> and then and then uh, Picard's uh, quarters are way far away from the bridge. Yeah, but he's got so many great windows. Sure. I feel like he's a he's a. Is he? He's decade also, right? Decade is a lot of the quarters. I was mostly of our of our. I was mostly group. paying attention to how far they were from the bridge, which I was interested. Well, terrible look to get you there in no time. It almost Bottom feels like work data in like a servant's quarters. <laughs> they are because they don't need comfort. Those two. I guess that's true. Hail them again, Mister Wolf. What the hell is he doing? Damage report. Minor damage to secondary hull before we put up our shield, sir. No casualties. Structural integrity intact. Engineering the bridge. Starboard power coupling is down. Classic bit of me watching action happen and forgetting I'm doing a podcast. Is the secondary hull like another layer behind the primary hull? Or is it is it a different part of the ship? I, I always assumed the secondary hull was the exterior exterior. Oh, the one outside? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the main hull was was would, keeping was between the uh, the secondary hull, the main hull, and the interior. I thought if I was titling it, I would put it behind. But well, possible. I also could be wrong, and uh, we'll find out shortly. Plan initiated. Limit targets to engines and shields. Aye, sir. Ready. Look how excited Worf gets to be when, <laughs> he gets to, when he gets to keep when he gets to keep fire. Like he just he, he looks he like he's it. got he a giant pizza in front of him. So loud, so I turn it down. Direct hit, sir. Moderate damage to their aft shield. The Cardassian ship is a piece Continue of crap, of FYI. Fire. Do they always look like that? Multiple hits, sir. <laughs> see his face. Do they always look like what? The Cardassian ship? Power failure. That's their aesthetic, their mostly, shields. yeah. The Cardassian ship is standing down, sir. Well, let's see if they'll answer our hail now, Mr. Wolf. Frequency open. So cool. This is Captain Jean Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. I am Galmaset of the Cardassian ship Traeger. The interior Why have you fired on us? Curious question, Captain. In war, one attacks one's enemies. There is a treaty between our peoples. Perhaps that fact was unknown to the Federation starship which destroyed our space station in the Quayar system two days ago. Federation starship? Attacked. An unarmed science station. They had barely enough time to send an emergency signal before they were incinerated. Galmaset. The Federation. So, Andy, what do you, what do you, what do you think of these Cardassians off the off the off the gate here? Really like the performance. Really like the interior of the ship. Uh, and I really like that uh, that 
it's a controlled performance. Like you, this guy, this guy has a plan, and uh, he's he's much more intimidating than most villains that come out and are freaking out. Well, that's why they sort of make him. I mean, he he then plays Gul Dukat. So, oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, that's great. This guy's great. He's you know you'll never you're never gonna get rid of him. Mark Alimo. Yep. Is his is his name. Captain, you confirmed your report. It was the starship Phoenix, under the command of Benjamin Maxwell. Ben Maxwell. He's kind of got my bone structure. I bet I would make a good Cardassian. Uh, Admiral Herman. I wish we knew. (laughs) He's gone on silent running, doesn't answer our communiques. Then he's still in Cardassian space. The station he destroyed was in sector 21505. You're the nearest starship. We want you to go in and find him. Will the Cardassians cooperate? They've granted you safe passage. We've agreed that you'll take along a delegation of observers as a show of good faith. Jean-Luc, I don't have to tell you. The Federation is not prepared. What could that be? Could that be a package? Could that be my wife? Could be any number of things. It's just Bo barking because he doesn't like people approaching the door. All right, if you're all wondering who was at the door, all that hubbub yeah. was over a screener of Black Panther. Ooh, I got a screener of Black Panther coming? Cool. It's also available on Netflix right now to stream. Uh, you know what? I tend to splurge and get the 3D version so I can watch it in 3D. And I didn't see it in 3D. In Andy's the, the only bad. one still keeping that alive. I saw it in 3D. I love with 3D. Jonathan Franks. Did you really? Yeah. The new sustained wow. conflict. That is nerd out must central. Preserve the peace, no matter what the cost. What do you think of the admirals leaning in and saying Jean Luc? <laughs> Which is <laughs> always the move. <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, I, if I was writing the scene, I'd be like, I'm not going to have them do that because they literally always do that. So <laughs> I would just have them call him Picard. Johnny Boy. Johnny Boy. Hey, JL. Uh, this actor is John Hancock. Hayden, I'll- Do you know him from something? Do you uh, know Hayden from something? I'll tell you what I know him from, Matt. Uh, oh, man. I had all that time. <laughs> Here it is. Secundas claim to fame. <laughs> it's kind of silly. To- from something big. It's silly to even mention because he's been in a billion things. He's one of the most recognizable character actors. But I know him mostly from Airplane 2. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, the William Shatner epic. Correct. Airplane 2. Yeah. There will be three Cardassians transporting aboard. Their captain, Galmasset, and two of his aides. My intention is to be as open as possible with them. Allow them to share in our search for the Phoenix. Interesting they didn't do this in the conference. It is necessary to assign them a security detail. I like it out here. Me too. Change it up. I don't want them to feel like prisoners. I tend to agree with Mr. Wharf, Captain. I think we should... I feel like they always... They they shouldn't always have to have the conversations in the fucking observation room. Yeah. Like, who's running the bridge at that point? Every senior officer is inside the fucking observation room. Well, they have a million faceless <laughs> cogs that take the take the seats. As soon as they're like feet sil- seat fillers at, at the Oscars. At least allow me to post guards in some of the sensitive areas of the ship. Very well. Let's limit that access. But you instruct your people they are our guests. 
Aye, sir. Counselor, I want you to stay as close to the crew as possible. Some of them may feel uncomfortable with Cardassians on board. I don't want any incidents. Yes, Captain. Mr. Data, is there anyone else on board who served previously with Captain Benjamin Maxwell? Accessing. Chief O'Brien served under his command aboard the Rutledge, sir. Did you like that he had to access that, or that he just didn't couldn't pull it up pretty pretty quicker? You know what I mean? It's it's a it's an eternal question of is he doing that for the comfort of the people or <laughs> just like well oh. I, I don't want to make him feel like I'm that smart. So. Maybe part of his emotional algorithm program he developed right was like well if I know it immediately they look at me weird so I'll just pretend I'm like one of these old timey computers that has to go accessing. Yeah, I think indeed that must be it. Number one. Uh, will you and the counselor meet our guests in transporter room three and inform Chief O'Brien I will be calling on him? Yes, sir. Sounds like a threat. Disengage. <laughs> Do we ever see these dumb face masks again? What? No. <laughs> so, they're so bad. The Enterprise. <laughs> I don't like the outfits either. Counselor? They change. I'll tell you this. I think the design of the, the makeup, the snake-like makeup, is genius and really well done and I can see why they stuck with these the guys as a race as a species um, but all the, the the outfits and the mask and the ship everything else is crappy I you know what I kind of like the outfits honestly even in this situation the, how do you think Chief O'Brien feels here I love that he's giving him a cold shoulder well I mean I also be like I hate the fact that Troy's there that can't make him feel comfortable well, that, but I kind of love that moment, though. I, and I feel like you should use Troy more often that way, where it's like when somebody's got something bubbling inside them, because they have Troy like look back over her shoulder, and he's like, no, I don't want her to know what I'm thinking. And I feel like that should that should be much more often, and I love the subtlety of it. So I enjoy Captain's it. Captain's log supplemental. We have entered. Fine, Andy. God. I'm sorry. He's Matt. always enjoying things. I are proceeding on our quest to locate the Phoenix. And with long-range sensors, we've been scanning a radius of 10 light years. We can effectively scan one sector a day. We're scanning sector 21505 now, and there's still no sign of the Phoenix. In fact, you have no assurance that the ship is still in sector 21505. In fact, we have no idea where it is. We thought the last known coordinates were a reasonably good place to start. Captain Picard, you can understand that we are skeptical. Do you expect us to believe that you are using every means at your disposal to track down one of your own? Well, of course you are concerned, Galma said. It is precisely because of that fact that I've included you in every aspect of our effort. You're present with my staff. You're hearing reports as I hear them. Nothing edited, nothing withheld. Very well. Transporter Chief O'Brien served with Benjamin Maxwell. I thought that he might be able to provide some insights. Mr. O'Brien, I understand that Captain Maxwell lost his family during a raid on an outpost. More like sabotage, sir. It was on Setlik 3. A squad of Cardassian militia made a sneak raid on an outpost. Wiped out close to 100 civilians. Then it's revenge he's after? That's not what I meant. Maxwell is taking retribution for his own loss. Captain Maxwell would never... Gentlemen, please, let's not indulge in speculation. 
I like an even-headed Picard throughout the episode being totally. being Picard. Love it. Especially um, when things get hot at the end, that he still he gets calmer than ever, and you can see he's really like he's he knows the stakes, so he's just containing everything. Mm. Mm. Speaking of stakes, we should eat Andy. What? <laughs> Did you tell him we ordered a pizza? No, no. we ordered a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it was a debate because I said, "Hey, we should have this." We had a long discussion about what pizza to get. And it was a, it was a debate. I said, "I think that they like this discussion of the pizza." I got at least one hail that said, "Hey, keep talking about pizza." And then uh, Matt was like, "I just want to have this conversation off. I just um, want to decide what pizza we're ordering." And then a long and discussion, then getting back to work because you know these these sessions when we're if we're doing two it's like a five six hour slog sure and by slog i mean great time we have for you guys <laughs> whether it's on air or off air though it doesn't make any difference to the time i like Dick this scene ten. yes agreed chief o'brien's uniform uh i mean i don't know if it's the the it seems to be made of a different ream of fabric than the rest of the uniforms. There's more texture to his uniform. Maybe to protect him from the transporter stuff that <laughs> flies around in there. Cooley, get on this. <laughs> Your captain is most impressive. Most impressive. Yes, he is. Chief O'Brien, our transporting system is still operating with active feed pattern buffers. I would like to talk with you about your technology. Hey, this guy hit on Chief O'Brien. Wouldn't you look at him? I understand. In the meantime, we're going to your ten forward. Will you join us? <laughs> Are they like briefed on the entertainment spots on the ship? Because everyone who gets on the ship immediately knows to go to ten forward. And I just wonder <laughs> if they're like handed a pamphlet, like when you check in at a hotel. Sure. Like when you get into your quarters, is there like a thing spread out of like All these the pamphlets? The, you could things. go to Mott and get a haircut. You could go uh, to the Arboretum <laughs> and see many different species of uh, plants. You could also enjoy time at our world famous bar, but not the Warcore. <laughs> Don't touch our computers. My commander tells me to discuss the transporter with you, I will. If Captain Picard orders me to tell you everything I know about Ben Maxwell, I will. But who I choose to spend my free time with, that's my business. Yeah, they did takes where he aggressively shoulder bumps them out of the way. Oh yeah, they have to, right? right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's too much, we gotta take it too back. Too much, too much. You want choices in the booth, guys. Or the bay, rather. He means the editing Captain, bay. The Phoenix is in the editing booth. <laughs> Sector 21505. Ensign, set a course, warp six. Why warp, warp six? Okay, sir. Cut. <laughs> and then later, they're at warp four. Yeah. And then he kicks it up to warp nine. It's like, seems like, as always. Look, look, look. Here's what I'm saying. Just keep the ship at 9.65 the entire time. You would burn through so much fuel that way. Is it? That's yeah, how it, it works? Yeah, put too much structural stress on the ship. You Ugh, can't do it. That's all... why they have to... Right. You can't, like, get deuterium anywhere. We should know we fill the tank. But tanks. this is a, a mission to prevent this guy from blowing the crap out of Cardassian... Uh... Yeah, I think he's like, let's go to regular speed, and then uh-huh. if the situation calls for it, we have a little room for uh, dramatic tension. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there must be a rendezvous. Yes, Captain. Captain, 
Suggestion. Yes. Party in ten forward. We have a number of ships. I saw a brochure in my quarters. <laughs> five. If you will give us more precise coordinates and the ship's coded transponder frequency, we would be able to intercept that. <laughs> <laughs> Worf is not happy. Worf just looked up because he remembered watching the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Wait, Wait, transponder frequency. We can do this. Well, far more. Those are prefix codes. I'm sure aren't that's they? true. Isn't that the same thing? I don't think so. Prefix code, I think, is the code to make them lower their shields. Well, I think you can then have control over the ship. And isn't that the same thing as the transponder code? I would assume a transponder code is to locate them. Boy, oh boy! Oh. Guess who would be great on this show? <laughs> couple of people who knew what they were talking about. <laughs> However, given the circumstances, I would prefer to make the initial contact myself. Oh, honey, you ran out of water? She's mad at me because Bo is out of water. I'm, I'm not getting involved. Dory! In this fight. I, I ordered food. He's trying to make it up to her. What? I ordered you a chicken parm. The whole thing going down because I know how much you like it. See that smile? <laughs> She's like smiling. Chicken parm, chicken no, like a chicken parm meal. What's with pasta? Yep. That sounds great. Oh, now it's not so bad that Bo hadn't had water for twelve minutes. When is the po- when is the pasta and chicken parm coming? <laughs> when is it coming? Yeah, when the pizza comes. Oh, you ordered that too. Well, I ordered for her because we were going to have food, and I didn't want her to be foodless. Why didn't we get us chicken parm also? Because we're two people who can share one giant pizza. No, no, we're not. We're two people. I feel like I am most of the time. And to meatballs and mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember doing it. I had to run out of the house so fast. Guys, welcome to Matt's personal life with Matt and Andy. Yeah. Yeah. My doggy. My dog. You're taking him? I'm taking him. Finally. I'm appropriating him. I'm assimilating your dog. You would. If you didn't have Omar, I would totally have you dog zip. Time sure. is crucial. But you have Omar. And you have a they would not get along. No, they there with a huge I wonder who would win. at his command. <laughs> just shot me a look. You never seen Honestly, my... I don't know. Honestly, that was oh. the look of confusion of like. I don't know. How is. It's a reasonable question. I, I can definitely see that, that uh, Bo, he's got. Uh, he loves to go after things, but how does he react when the thing, like, fights back? I mean, this, we're, talking, we're definitely talking about a dog who, uh, when it's very windy out, uh-huh. uh, is scared of leaves. So. Oh, interesting. It's hard to say. Omar is definitely a scrapper. We also don't know what he would do if he ever got to the thing that he was trying to get to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Lose? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't he's know. a big scaredy cat. He's eighty four pounds of uh, veal. Omar has had one legitimate fight that I know of with my sister's cat when I had to stay with my sister. And uh, she's got this giant, fat, Disney villain cat with no tail (laughs) that's just so entitled. And it was harassing Omar through the door, batting its giant paw through the door. And Omar kept looking at me like, why are we here? And then one day, the cat slipped through the door and I heard a giant scream from two cats. And there was like like a ball of fur... And the fucking giant cat ran the hell out of that room. <laughs> so Omar won. Uh, uh, only things had worked out for the real Omar Little. 
Hey! What? Spoiler! For who? You gotta cut that! I've never even seen the show! Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, now I spoiled it! Andy! Lose control of the situation. Then you will not be. You gotta cut that. I don't. What does that even Just mean? Snip to it. anyone. Just snip my part. Nope. I'm leaving it in. I really think you, you should. find his precise location. What does that mean? Could be one season in, two seasons, five seasons in. Maybe it doesn't work out in the fact that the drug deal doesn't go the way he thought it would go. I really feel bad about this. I don't have there control over it, guys. The data casserole. A dish fit for kings. By the way, I would fucking kill for a bidata casserole. <laughs> What's that you're singing? What? Oh, it's just an old song. A bunch of us used to sing it together on the Rutledge. I hadn't thought about it in years. What's it about? Oh, it's about war and glory. Well, Andy, we stopped 50 minutes in. We're about we're about an hour and five into the show. To the wall is gone. In the ranks of death you will find him. His father's sword he hath geared it on. And his wild harp slung behind him. He's got a beautiful singing voice. I guess it's all this business about him and the Cardassians brought it back to me. You know, Keiko really seems to be very confused about who she married. <laughs> really? It must have been a whirlwind. I could tell. She's freaking out before the marriage. Still don't like they don't the have any idea what the other one eats. I imagine that's to be expected. You do? Sure, the war lasted a long time. That takes its toll on people. What are these little dark things? Capers. But the fighting. I still need her to elaborate. Like him to elaborate. Yeah, and I still don't know what a fucking caper is. <laughs> like a I seed ate thing, right? What is it? It's from the seed. Some kind of is it? Let's. I think it's it's a, it's like some version of of seaweed. I just know that a, it's like black things that that ruin rice. This is uh, yeah. I don't like capers myself. Uh, a caper is to skip or dance about in a livelier. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, caper: the cooked and pickled flower buds. Of a bramble-like southern European shrub. What? This can't be. I thought it was a sea thing. Oh, I thought you said seed thing, which is exactly what it is. The shrub from capers, which it has taken. I thought it was like a Fuck thing the from the sea. Well, I'm glad I asked. No, I never thought a caper. I always thought a caper was just... I just never knew what it was. Until now. Well, how do you mm, such a dummy. I feel fine. I mean, the war's over now. She's not buying it. I like this display quite a bit that they show of the Phoenix pursuing the uh, yeah, I agree. Cardassian ship, plus all these little other ships that are out there doing nothing. Yeah. Pursuing ship is the Phoenix. And the other? It appears to be a Cardassian supply ship. How would you know that? We are able to make that determination. Way to go, Data. <laughs> can read our transponder codes. The important thing at the moment is that one of your ships may be in jeopardy. Mr. Wall, really has there been any answer to our communication? No, Captain. Put out a repeating message in all subspace channels. Priority one, communicate. Break off your pursuit immediately. Aye, sir. Now, I said, you see, we are doing everything in our power to reach the Phoenix. Yes, and accomplishing nothing, I'm sorry to say. 
Can you show me the location of our other ships? Also, those mutton chops are really stupid. Do they hang around? Um, yeah, see, we I have... mean, they have varieties of facial hairs. It's not something I really see very often. I don't dig it. Warship, which could intercept the Phoenix before it's too late. If you will give us the transponder frequency. Or are you going to stand there while our ship is destroyed, Captain? This is such a great diplomatic conundrum. So, Stand there while I... Hang on. What does he say? There you see, we have a warship which could intercept the Phoenix before it's too late. If you will give us the transponder frequency. Or are you going to stand there while our ship is So that's is just to locate it, Captain. The transponder frequency. That's what I said. Yeah, I'm saying you're right. Oh, okay. Sounded like you were saying. Hey, I was right. Yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> it sounded like you were saying it in a tone like, "Well, that's what it's for." No, Captain. Like you were telling me. No, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I ask you guys to wind the tape back, and you decide for yourselves. Yeah. No, I was saying I was wrong. It's not the same thing as the Star Trek Two thing. Well, then the prefix. You, code. I know. Why didn't you open it with that? You were right, Andy. That was what it was. You could open it that way. He said, it's this way. Andy, you were right. That was what it was. Ah, Secunda. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I deal with every day. Relay the prefix codes of the Phoenix to the Cardassian warship. Sir, they will be able to dismantle its shields. See? Now he says that, though. That confused me. They will oh, be yeah. able to dismantle its shields. <laughs> I may be wrong again. <laughs> the Phoenix will not have a chance. Wait, Capital don't they mean, doesn't he mean just that they'll be able to take him down? Or no, it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't doesn't sound, sound it's like very it. confusing as to what a prefix code versus a transponder code is. Let me look it up. Motion and supply shipment. Mr. Wolf, now. Yes, Captain. Very intense. Sir, the Cardassian warship is moving on the Phoenix. Mr. Data, overlay weapon rangers of the two ships. I really like the schematic that they are staring at. I don't know why, but I really dig it. The um, uh, coded transponder frequency or transponder code was a system of identification used by starships. Once deciphered, a vessel's transponder code would allow other ships in the vicinity to pinpoint its precise location. And then yeah, it talks that's it, about right? Thing, it's just location. And yeah. it doesn't say I the think other thing, just and means it has prefix code. That so we're be assuming that Worf means that a Cardassian warship, knowing exactly the coordinates, could fire a bombardment that would dismantle its shields. Is that what Worf is saying? I assume that's the meaning we have to ascribe to it, but I wonder if the writers actually were kind of thinking, hey, maybe it's kind of like a prefix code when mm. they wrote it. Jerry Taylor, that's on you. The usually great Jerry Taylor. You've messed up this one time. The ship is 300,000 kilometers from the Phoenix. According to the deleted scene, knowing the transponder frequency of the Phoenix, Phoenix also allowed the Cardassians to track all other Starfleet ships. I can see why they took that oh, out. Oh, well, that would be a problem. That'd be crazy. Oh, look at this. Impact Site 1, starboard deflector forward. Impact Site 2, starboard deflector aft. Tells you where their ships have been hit. Oh, on this little readout. I love pretty, this graphic. pretty great. In a direct hit. You think Okuda was directly involved with that? Phoenix is beginning invasive maneuvers. It has positioned itself outside the weapons range of the opposing ship. Really nice subtle direction with the, the tracking Phoenix has in here. powered up both phasers and photon torpedoes. The 
Phoenix is firing photon torpedoes. I like that nobody's freaking out. I like that the Phoenix can take out ships like that. I gotta say, Maxwell's he's a good captain. He's destroyed <laughs> Outside of the fact that he's gone bonkers. Does the supply ship have any weapons? They're limited. Certainly not enough to defeat a Nebula class starship. By the way, this is a this would be a great if this was like a subtle sector. Well, you don't know Sector Thirty One yet. That's the secret. Sector Thirty right? Sector Thirty One. You find it later in Deep Space Nine, and then you know retconned back into Discovery is a uh, theoretically. I mean, it's not officially retconned back, but people think it is. Sector Thirty One is their secret service, right? They're uh-huh. like deep cover bullshit. Yeah, which I love. Um, that is what I think the show should be about. Um, they, uh, they, it would be amazing if this was orchestrated by Maxwell and Sector 31 as a way to show the Cardassians how powerful their Nebula class and Galaxy class starships are. That's fun. To go like, if you fuck with us, we will destroy all of you because we have all these very powerful ships now. It's a really smart diplomatic thing. Like, send in a guy. Oh, he's gone crazy. All right. Well, well, we got him. Well, let's send the flagship in to track that guy. Sorry he kicked your asses. <laughs> now we'll punish him. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's sent off to go live on Risa. Sure. The Phoenix is firing on the... Warship carried a crew of 600. The supply ship, 50. 49. Jim was sick. <laughs> Mr. Data, estimated time to intercept with the Phoenix. Is that our present speed of warp 4? 16 hours, 44 minutes. Didn't I say warp and 6 before? Warp you don't know what they dropped to warp. Whatever. I don't. But why did they drop? Increase to warp 9. We could push it further, but we won't. <laughs> Was awkward, huh? Do you think he bought it? I think so, sir. If you were watching along with us, you'd get what I was saying. <laughs> what are those Captain. isolinear chips? Jeez. They sure are, Andy Secundo, Star Trek nerd. You. What's he doing? Anything I can do, sir. Maybe he's you know realigning that. the isolinear chips from the pattern buffer. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I count myself lucky, sir. I've served with the two finest captains in Starfleet. Three. Who's Three. You're going to have Cisco, too, my friend. But who's better between us? <laughs> don't don't answer based on hair. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason Sir, what he's doing. I can beam hair onto your head right now. I got some of the pattern. <laughs> no, no. Don't want to ruin Kardashian my brand. Something I'm sure of it. When his family was killed, how did he take it? Did he cry like a baby? Say he took it well. <laughs> well, I know he was insane. Inside. Who wouldn't be? Did he cry like a baby or did he act like a man and get back to work, <laughs> sir? But you'd never know to see him. He never missed a minute's duty. Always had a smile, a joke. Oh, I see. He was quick with a he joke. Never or a lot of your smoke. No matter what that Cardassian some place that he'd rather be. They're up to something, sir. They're the ones you should be investigating, not Captain Maxwell. You don't care for the Cardassians. I like them fine. Why would he say that? It's just, while I know them, you learn to watch your back when you're around those people. Ben Maxwell has just sent more than 600 of them to their deaths. I'm sure they were all bad people, sir. I don't know what to say, sir. (laughs) But he must have had his reasons. 
I think. When one has been angry for a very long time, one gets used to it. By the way, I thought of Andy Secunda when this line was getting delivered. When one is angry, one. Yeah. This is this is to you, just yeah. in your general life right now. Yeah, I think that's true. It's comfortable, like like old leather. I think that's really true. I think it's a great line. And finally, become so familiar that one can't ever remember feeling any other way. So true. <laughs> Thank you, Chief. He's saying it to O'Brien as well as about Maxwell. Oh, I agree. Telling him to cool his jets. I would hate to be a server in 1040. You're all the way out in space? On the other hand, I guess that's more adventurous than any other waiter job. Also, no tips. No tips, that is true. <laughs> also, I wonder where Gaiden is. It's the first time I've ever seen the back of the bar. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I like that we're seeing it. Well, if I join you? Wait, they're not in 10 forward. That must be 10 forward. Where else would that be? 10 forward is I guess they are. I guess they are. But that looks like the curve of that window. Doesn't the curve go up? Doesn't the curve go the other way? I thought it goes up. I'm confused. So 10 forward is at the bottom of the saucer section? Like the after the strip of phasers? I mean, you would know better. But that's, this is the way I always remembered it. Of course it's 10 forward. Why wouldn't it be 10 forward? They're going to build a new set just for this scene. It is an interesting question. You want is 10 another? forward vulnerable in an attack? Uh, and mean, an it, ale. It's got a lot of windows. Kanar. Never could develop a taste for it. it takes a bit of getting used to. <laughs> I wanted to say I... I owe you an apology. I shouldn't have popped off like that in the turbo lift. I think... Here's your ale, Mr. O'Brien. Oh, thanks. This has been hard on all of us. I know I'll be happy when I'm back on my own ship. I guess that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, it's deck 10, section 1. I was on Setlick 3 with Captain Maxwell the morning after the massacre. There it is. It's on the bottom. You know, I always thought it was up here. Honestly. Too late, of course. Huh. It's on the bottom of the saucer section. In my brain, everybody. Ted Forward was, I guess, would be deck 12. It's a terrible Although that mistake. looks like it's flat. I assume that me- there that's we implying the, the drawing that it's on the bottom sort of slanted side. Well, it's like the, it's us. the reverse of the top window. You see what I'm saying here? At the front of the saucer section. The only people I gotta tell you. That's the saucer section. Boom, boom. We're in an the level of the detail focused on stuff like that is just so satisfying. And well, I you know, I will say that to... I, I was saying People this, like us are so obsessed. I was saying that to our crew yesterday. Like, the the, the set deck people on our show. Yeah. On, on Well, on your old show, on the Goldbergs. Like, we were out shooting at the Wawa, which is a convenience store they redress to look like the Wawa. Uh-huh. And I look up at this sign that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to see. It's a parking sign. Uh-huh. And I look at the sign that's next to this light that would be hard to see in person, let alone on camera. And the and the sign says Jenkintown, Jenkintown parking, Jenkintown Plaza, uh-huh. and it has like parking and a Philadelphia area code. 
Oh, that's fun. And like a toe thing. And it looked like the sign blended in perfectly. And I'm just like, look at this. Like, no one's ever going to see this, but it's there. Yeah. So it's that kind of shit that, like, those people who are, like, really good at their jobs and into their stuff. Oh, and we did it. We made a drive-in movie theater of a parking lot the other night that looked amazing, too. Yeah. Like, I, 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 people. Uh, I mean, it's I amazing. totally. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. But I did. This is, like, sort of, to me, it's next level stuff when it's, like, the stuff on the, on the, um, like the thing you kept admiring on the uh, on the chart of the ships getting destroyed and everything, all the level of detail and that it fits organically with the logic is just so great. Uh, so, Andy, do you want to have anything to say about uh, O'Brien's speech here? I like it. When I'm back on my own ship, I guess that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I was on Setlick Three with Captain Maxwell the morning after the massacre. We were too late, of course. Almost everyone was dead. It was a terrible mistake. We were told the outpost was a launching place for a massive attack against us. The only people left alive were in an outlying district of the settlement. I was sent there with a squad to reinforce them. Cardassians were advancing on us. Moving through the streets, destroying, killing. I was with a group of women and children when two Cardassian soldiers burst in. I stunned one of them. The other one jumped me. We struggled. One of the women threw me a phaser and I fired. The phaser was set at maximum. The man just... just incinerated there before my eyes. I'd never killed anything before. When I was a kid, I'd... I'd worry about swatting a mosquito. It's not you I hate, Cardassian. I hate what I became because of you. So let me uh, revise my, or amend my opinion. Uh, Andy's opinion is getting amended. Put it some you kind of phaser. my jingle. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I was adding a little, little, little flourish. Well, on I the just end. don't care for it. I didn't make ask for a flourish. Well, you just make, can't add a flourish to my jingle for then your it'll thing. Be two different jingles, and I'll play <laughs> well, them alternately. Then you got to play. You'll be like, I'll play the short one because we're short on time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then one day you'll be like, I'll play exactly. the long. It's the long one. I meant to play the short one. That's exactly right. Okay, so what are you saying? I Amend was saying, um, I think I like the writing. I like the performance. Uh, I think that this is the kind of monologue that we do a lot on our shows um, and I'm sure I will do myself in the future so when I do it at some point in the future as a shortcut you're going to remember this this word of advice from past you to future you here it is please don't blame me Um, I feel like it's a little bit like well we want to be on we want to be on O'Brien's side by the end of the episode so we don't want to be a flat out you know racist uh, just close-minded. The use of dork. just saying Cardassian. No, it's not that. It's that his he hates them. 
But then the reason he hates them was that he killed one of them. And that's like, it's like the thing that's revealed makes us like him more. The dark side, once you turn over the, the rock, it's like, it's like on our shows, we're constantly having the explanation be, I did, I acted in a selfish way because I love you so much. Right, right, right. And so I feel like it's a little bit convenient. I like it. I would tweak this. I wouldn't really tweak anything in the speech except for use of just the word Cardassian. Yeah, I so. Because that just seems still even cold. Like his explanation of like I hate what I became because of you is I buy a viable explanation for this uh, guy we've sort of come to know over the last four years. Um, but I just feel like the use of the word like just like it's like if I said to you if I was like. It's not you I hate, Jew. Yeah. <laughs> it's who I became because of the Jews. Like it's like what? Yes. It's like maybe. Just like, but if I said to you, I don't hate you, Andy. It's who I. Yeah. I hate what that war made me become. Maybe I'm isolated. And I say that, like, maybe that's a totally different phrasing. I, when you frame it that way, obviously, I agree. The, I think that there's there's something like even when other races go, like, I know that's what you think. There. Okay, Andy's report on the pizza. Tasted a little bit like Domino's. Mediocre at best. So don't eat order from Mark Ruffalo's Pizza Place. He's good at playing Hulk, but uh, not good at this. Good at playing Hulk. Okay at playing Bruce Banner. <laughs> I agree with that evaluation. It meant nothing. There was no harm done. Go to your quarters. You're confined there for the duration of this expedition. As you wish, sir. But you Mr. Wolf, told a me to... Uh... Gladly, Captain. So, uh, what we skipped there a little bit was that uh, one of the Cardassians was uh, trying to do a little spy work. And yeah. Worf caught him. And now Worf is super excited that he gets to walk him back to quarters. Captain, may we speak in private? You have the bridge, number one. I deeply regret what my aide has done, Captain. You have my word he will be disciplined upon my return. You may take whatever action against him you feel is appropriate. I consider the matter closed. I'm not sure I would be so generous in your place, Captain. Thank you. If there is to be a lasting peace, Gomer said, neither you nor I must allow any one man to undermine our efforts. There are those. Is this who... a painting of the ship we're on? <laughs> or is this another ship that looks a lot like their ship? <laughs> also, why would you have a painting of what we're in? Are we in the picture? <laughs> How do paintings work? <laughs> if I yell loud enough, will I hear me? <laughs> Crave warm. Who need it? Again, this is the kind of thing you're missing out if you're not, I am uh, not one of them, Captain. ordering our special commentary tracks for see. each episode that don't exist. <laughs> Brian? <clears throat> 22 minutes. Captain Maxwell, and he has agreed to come on board. 
Welcome aboard, sir. I'm Commander Riker, first officer. That guy did the same weird transporter thing. He's he's definitely been in a transporter room before. Well, I you know I think I always like to think I liked that move because I think this is his first time on board a Galaxy class ship, and a lot of their components are very similar to a Nebula class, and he's just going, oh yeah, yeah, look at that, that's a little different. And I feel like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an actor's move that that does that thinks that transporting is, is some crazy amazing thing. Oh, uh, I think in this case it's very calculated. Fine work you did with the Borg. We all owe you on that one. Thank you, sir. O'Brien? Miles O'Brien? Hello, Captain. Good to see you again. How are you? I had no idea you were on the Enterprise. This was my tactical officer on the Rutledge. Best I ever had. Thank you, sir. O'Brien has the ability to size up a situation instantly and come up with options to fit all contingencies. Remarkable. Well, if that's true, I learned it from you, sir. <laughs> but you got that silver tongue by kissing the stone, right? <laughs> Boy, <clears throat> it's really hard to watch the warden from Shawshank be so nice. That's what, That was my claim to fame with him. He was also in Meet One, I knew him from. Um, I kissed the Barney Stone, you know, Matt. Oh, well, it didn't help. No, it didn't. Although I didn't know you before that, so maybe it did help. <laughs> this is me giving the gift of gab. Just imagine what this podcast would be like if I, I had not been. Straight away. We got a lot to talk about. Yes, sir. I've been acting like a crazy person. Oh, meaning he plays that scene real well. Love that look. It's like, oh boy. That guy's Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Benjamin Maxwell. That'll be all, Commander. I wonder how the main character actors felt, Captain. the regulars felt about Colomini being given this huge story. If by this point in the series they're like, okay. Or if they're like... No, I think by this point in the series they're like, Wait, how many days do we have to shoot that week? Nice. You think so? <laughs> I can shoot out in a day and a half? That's what you and I would think. No, that's what they think. I talked to Franks about a, this very thing. Like, yeah. they loved it when they weren't in episodes. Don't, don't Isn't there always stuff like regulars are like, eh, too much attention was given these other people? I guess I guess they do rotate on the show. They, every, everybody gets their moment, so. Yeah, I mean, there's seven people to service, you know. And there's yeah. at least one episode dedicated to each person per season. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I think they were like, okay, I'll just come in on Monday. Thanks. Yeah. The captain, please sit down. <laughs> you must think I've gone mad. Thought had occurred. Picard, I have to tell you, I was grateful when I realized it was you Starfleet had sent after me. Someone who knows what it's really like out here. I know of nothing out here that could possibly justify what you have done. And listen to this. The Cardassians are arming again. That so-called science station. Military supply port. How do you know this? Information comes my way. This is where he starts to sound insane. Sure. <laughs> From who? Where is your documentation? I know what they're doing. I can smell it. This is it's sort of up. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you're now. He insane. smells it. <laughs> so you smell it's it with your nose. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> For um, science. 
Was this information put in your nose? <laughs> is it a scent? Is it, you smell the weapons? Um, yeah. So I guess in terms of storytelling, at the end, when it's revealed that the Cardassians are up to no Whoa, good. Whoa, spoiler alert. I'm kidding. You can do that because that's where you read Larry's synopsis True. at the beginning. Um, with that in mind, uh, I guess you could say this is... Uh, reasonable writing to make him seem crazy so that we're like oh I liked it yeah I liked that move but I don't know if you need to go this far he really seems bonkers here and he seems less emotionally damaged and more just cuckoo birds right and I, I feel like I would have liked a more subtler exactly or rather not even not, it didn't have to be subtle just a an attitude tweak in, in the dialogue. Yeah, just have him have some reasons that are beyond I can smell it. Because he, he comes in like, oh, wait till you hear this. And then he's like, I feel like they have him. And it's like, don't don't set it up that way. Have it be like, we know that we can't trust them the whole time. Yeah. Or have it be some other thing that Picard's like, that's not proof. You know, this is just clearly a crazy person. Who turns out not to be crazy. And then... Oh, no. There's an and then. And then, if he's crazy, which he clearly is, for them to end this scene with him going, I'm to not humiliate you, I'm going to let you go back to your heavily armed war cruiser. (laughs) Well, I think... Well, first of all, let me just, for the record, Nebula-class vessel is a science vessel. Oh, that big giant thing on the top there, that's wow, a that sensor array. thing is kicking ass for a science vessel. Um, but second of all, like, you know, I think they sort of, they, I think they justify Picard's move here in the dialogue. Uh, I don't think it's happened yet. I think it happens later. Where he's talking about the man, like have the, the two the two medals, the two pres- you know president circle awards, like he's giving him, <laughs> he's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but it's a hell of a strategic site for a military transport station, a jumping off point into three Federation sectors. I like that hand acting, by the way. <laughs> sure, honestly, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I just like the yes riled up hand acting. He's playing it's it the way it's do. written, which is They're running supply person. ships back and forth, and nobody's going to tell me it's for scientific research. But whatever circumstances you encountered, why didn't you notify Starfleet? <laughs> Wait six months while the bureaucrats sit around reading reports, trying to figure out what to do. They don't know what's going on out here. Is this hey, a painting uh, of us? <laughs> are we inside this right now? <laughs> Is it? Well, look, look very closely. Those two figures in this window. <laughs> is, is that, that us? <laughs> Can you get a guy to paint my ship? <laughs> you just paint a big dish on the top, make the uh, nacelles go down, and it'd basically be my ship. Picard, you know what it's like to be under fire. You weren't under fire. Lives were at stake. Whose lives? We had to act now. Why? Musty in here. <laughs> oh boy, it goes to the nose again. <laughs> so this guy smells it. Smells like Cardassian. Oh, he's about to do that. Like a bureaucrat's office. You have killed nearly 700 people. And you have taken us to the brink of war. I have prevented war. Or at the very least, delayed it a good long time. The peace treaty was a ruse. 
to give them breathing room, time to regroup. And so all alone, you decided to dispose of the treaty. I took the initiative. I did what had to be done. What had to be done? Hmm? For whom? Why would a man with a long and brilliant service abandon the fundamental principles that he has believed in, even fought for all of his life? I believe it is because of what they did to your wife and your children. Not true. Not true. To avenge their deaths. You're a fool, Picard. History will look at you and say, this man was a fool. I'll accept the judgment of history. When it becomes clear what the Cardassians have done, I will be vindicated. What the Cardassians have or have not done is irrelevant. Irrelevant? And come with me. Find one of their supply ships and we'll see how irrelevant it is. We're not going. I mean, I, I, all of this, I, I love this scene. This is a great scene. Yeah, I agree. And Picard's uh, so good. Picard's reasoning is super sound. Um, Andy's pepperoni shirt is. I dropped the pepperoni on my shirt, guys. Andy came over wearing a white shirt. That's so I can replace the mistake. Because... He's got to know anytime he leaves the house, chance of pizza's got to be 40, 50%. What, do I want to ruin one of my good shirts? <laughs> I want to ruin my undershirt. Try any more Cardassian ships. Secunda shirts? Hello? Oh my God. Why aren't we making these? Oh my God. <laughs> they already have stains on them. We're leaving. <laughs> We're selling them with the stains? Yes. They're pre stained Secunda shirts. <laughs> Do I have to eat over every one? Eh, maybe. <laughs> Well, that's going to make you not agree to do this? I guess. Oh, I'd have to eat. <laughs> Won't change my lifestyle much. You're going to return to your bridge. This is set crazy. a course for Starbase 211. Phoenix and the Enterprise will return to Federation space together. Those are Starfleet's orders. I will permit you the dignity of retaining your command during the voyage. The only alternative is to put you in the brig. Uh, he's already been out. He can't just dictate my life. I'm podcasting. Take him to the craft fair. He'd love it. It's a bow issue. A lot of stuff happens with my dog. If you're a first-time listener, this is your last time listening, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and to tow your ship back to the starbase in disgrace. That's my ship. I do science. I will return on. to my ship. Understand your orders. Trump, the Trumpet guy's really shoving yes, it in the flute guy's face this week. It's so clear that this guy's room. not going to follow orders. I what are you doing? He doesn't do it. Look, he. He says, uh. I, yeah, honestly, I, I. I heard the order, Picard. I heard it. Well, I didn't say it like that. It sounds like. I said smelled it. the orders, Picard. <laughs> Smell, smelled musty, like bureaucrats. <laughs> Hi, sir. Um, but I like what he's doing here. Picard? Yeah. What? You would have let this guy go back to his ship? He's no, bonkers. I'm not Picard. I'm not as I'm not as clear-headed and cool as Picard. I would have been Picard like, Picard made well, a mistake he here. The guy then took the Look, ship I and... just like the show of respect between captains. That's all I'm oh, saying. This is what it's about. It's about your boys club of, <laughs> of, of high-ranking officers. And girls club. And girls club. Fair. <laughs> God. 
Janeway's a captain probably at this point. Janeway never would have sent this guy back to a ship. She no, she wouldn't have. She would have, she would have, she would have, she would have towed it back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look out the actual window. Mr. Data, how long until we clear Cardassian space? At our present speed, three hours, 20 minutes, sir. Mr. Warp, send a message to Admiral Hayden at Starfleet. How fast are we going, uh, Mr. Data? Warp one? <laughs> All right. Inform them of our projected time of arrival. And tell them to stop I calling sorry. me John Luke. Captain, the Phoenix has changed course. What? I would have liked a damn it, Bill, don't do this from Patrick Stewart. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Anyway. I hear you. What's he doing? Ensign, change course to pursue. <sighs> Mr. Worf, will you hail Captain Maxwell? No response, Captain. Shall I fire? Data, projected Warf? the course. The Phoenix is headed directly for a Cardassian vessel, 0.12 light years from our location. He'll attack that ship just as he did the others. By the way, I, I find it hard to believe that everyone else on board the Phoenix is like okay with all of the stuff they're doing, unless that he's is lying good... about direct orders from Starfleet. I have a feeling that part. I have a feeling that that is what's happening because mm-hmm. when he calls in later, I'm like, "That's weird. Why is he in his ready room?" And the reason he's in his ready room is because he's not telling them anything that's going on. He's not doing it on the bridge, or that they didn't want to build another bridge set. That's probably the subtext, yes. <laughs> Continue the hail, Mr. Wolf. Priority one message. Although, the, did the, the bridges the, look the that bridge? different? Uh, they would, probably. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they, they could not. It's however the fuck they feel probably doing it. But, I mean, the crew has to be seeing these priority one messages. The crew has to be seeing the Enterprise has come to find them. Yeah, that's a good point. They that trust, ship might be. They trust this lunatic. I imagine it's a supply ship. Although he probably came back on and was like, see, I told you nothing was wrong. Would they have let me back here if I was going against orders? You guys are freaking out. Okay, let's go destroy some. State. All right. Some Cardassian well, The ships, Enterprise yeah. is with us, sure. <laughs> In the Kalrabi system. The Phoenix still does not respond, sir. Ensign Warp 8, overtake him. Uh, why not Captain, Warp 9? The Phoenix has accelerated to Warp 9. We will not be able to reach him before he intercepts the Cardassian vessel. Ensign Warp 9. Aye, sir. Mr. Warp, arm phases. Continue the hail. Aye, sir. Captain Chief O'Brien was Maxwell's tactical officer. Get him up here. Good thinking, number one. That's <laughs> why you're here. You did it. <laughs> you you did it. Arm. By the way. Uh, Deanna. Oh. Ah. Uh. <laughs> By the way, that's... Uh, the, oh, also, he should have had uh, Deanna give him a to give him a scan before he left the ship. Hey, uh, Deanna, is he gonna is he gonna go and do something bad? I think that's exactly why she wasn't giving him a scan. I know she's probably at office hours anyway. Story was um, she's probably helping Susan get over her husband's death. Still, <laughs> Susan, get over it. I don't know if that was her name, but you all know who I'm talking about from the loss. Uh, the one with the bowl cut. Um, they uh, they they get O'Brien up there. He says a thing that really isn't helpful because then the second later it's it's, it's like I think he's gonna do something somebody backed in a corner would do and then it's happening simultaneously and also by the way I love Chief O'Brien being like oh I can get in that tiny window that's awesome hey guys so the phoenix has dropped out of warp you know I could drive this thing if you need me I'm uh, on the bridge Oh, I do like O'Brien on the bridge 
They have reached the Cardassian. We'll get a couple O'Brien on the bridge episodes. Sure. Oh yeah. Photo impulse. Yeah, once or twice. Vessels are within visual range. On screen. Has the Phoenix activated its weapon systems? Negative, sir. Their phaser banks are not armed. What about the Cardassians? Sensors are unable to determine the status of the Cardassian defensive systems. Their ship is running with a high-powered subspace field. What season? I like this, like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's they on the eel <laughs> data. Uh, what season does O'Brien leave TNG? Six, I think, is the beginning of uh, six or five or six. It's in there somewhere. Okay. Whenever Deep Space Nine starts. Okay. I mean, what is the matter with you? Why are you even asking this question? It's uh, spoiler Andy. Uh, but Matt. Uh, I was what just do you want to know? I guess why I was... do you want to know this? I need to know why you want to know. I can tell you why I want to know. All I'm right, everybody. Andy's going to explain to us Here why Here I go. To I'm about to explain it. He's doing everybody it. It's coming out. Lord, all the <laughs> Here we go. Out. We got the torpedoes loaded oh, up boy. with my explanation. Phasers are powered. <laughs> <laughs> Go for jackasses. Um, uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I remember. You want to know why the, the, reason, the reason I was curious was because I was curious if this episode was like, hey, let's spend a little time on O'Brien because we're, we're about to bring him over. Well, didn't I say that? That's what they probably already knew at this point. But, but if it's, it's still season early, six, it's season that's and a half. too far. I guess they might have been, been in development. They probably were. But Well, it's also like they probably had the go-ahead green light. Like, Star Trek was very popular at this point, and... I'm sure whoever, like Paramount was probably like, if you guys want to make another one, go ahead and we'll run it. I wonder how long they were. Did you see the D- the documentary? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, wow. They asked me to do an interview for it, to be in it, and I uh, just couldn't, timing-wise. Couldn't Matt, what are you doing? I'm doing this with you, buddy. <laughs> you, you passed on that for this. <laughs> That's your mistake. <laughs> I wish they'd interviewed me so O'Brien. I could go. I don't know. I've seen one episode. <laughs> Didn't hey, care for it. Hey, wait, wait. When did O'Brien get there? <laughs> Later, right? Oh, okay. What about Worf? <laughs> Do we see anyone else from Star Trek ever show up on there? Is it the same actress that plays Keiko? Or is that she O'Brien? She's still O'Brien, right? <laughs> How about Molly? Oh, you don't know Molly. <laughs> I don't know. What commander? Federation? Yeah. I don't know Molly. The Keiko and and Chief O'Brien have a baby. Spoiler! I know I did spoil that for you, but it's not really a spoiler because I don't really care about that. I mean, it's just like Captain is about to place me in the position of. Oh no, Andy! I spoiled the C plot. Need your knowledge of the man, how he thinks, what he's capable of doing. I say, sir. I'm going to say one thing. Maxwell is hailing us on screen. All right, Picard. You need proof. You got it now. Captain Maxwell, you have disobeyed a direct order. Board the ship. You'll see that everything I've been saying is true. The Cardassian... Also, look at my wall. I don't have my ship on it. It's a star chart. <laughs> so we'll not be boarded. You will transport yourself aboard the Enterprise. Picard, if you don't board that ship, I'll destroy it. And I will use whatever force is necessary to prevent you from taking that action, Captain. Sir, Captain Maxwell, if he feels his back is against the wall, he'll strike. (laughs) Captain, 
The Phoenix is transferring power to its... I didn't really track that when I first watched it. <laughs> and he's right again. I was right twice! Phases and loading forward torpedo bays. Better lad. Seems you were right, Mr. O'Brien. Ready phases, load torpedoes. Phases armed. Loading forward and aft torpedo bays. Sir, let me beam over. Try to talk to him. We served together a long time. Bo, we're going to take you out in one second, but I just want everyone to listen to Chief O'Brien be all transporter chiefy and cool. When you've been through what we have, you, you tend to get inside someone. He might listen. He'd never lower his shields and light a transport on board. The Phoenix is using a high-energy sensor system. It cycles every 5.5 minutes. Between cycles, there's a window of a 50th of a second. Trust me, I can get through. Make it so. I think we should turn to Franks and go. Um, should we watch our cycles? Should we, should we shorten that? I want to see that used some other point. That's I believe great. it does get used. Oh, yeah? yeah. Love it. Uh, this is better than a painting. <laughs> <laughs> you can see real people moving around. He's looking at the Enterprise FYI. Out a window instead of at a painting. Yeah. Wow. Come. Not now. <laughs> no, he doesn't say come. He just says that. Do you think he should have just transported into the ready room? I was thinking he would. So the crew just lets him in, or he, he was, like, polite and, and beamed right outside his, his I think office? He, honestly, I think he beamed right outside the office, right? Wouldn't you do that? Because you'd think you would get stopped by the crew. Because you don't want to freak him out. Yeah. you get over here? I had the thought that if we could talk, we could figure a way out of this mess. The way out of this is clear. Talk to Picard. Get him to board the damn ship. He won't do that, sir. But he turned his weapon. Man up and vanish like a fart in the wind. To protect the enemy. That's my favorite line of his from Shawshank. I don't believe yeah. He will. Hey, fuzzy britches. That's the other one I remember. What the hell has happened to this war? Sir. There is no war. The war is over. You're wrong. Cardassians live to make war. That's what everybody thinks about the enemy. That's probably what they think about us. We're not the same at all. We do not start wars. We do not make surprise attacks on manned outposts. We do not butcher women and children in their homes. Children. never had the chance to grow up. You were with me on set, like... Did they sing yet? Not yet, bad. (laughs) Yes, sir. Calmini is amazing in the scene. What was the name of that fellow who always hung around you like a puppy? What's this about? I thought this was heading toward... A reveal that the person that that O'Brien killed was actually his friend, and it happened by mistake. <laughs> that really would have motivated him. Real twist there, buddy. Well, I, I like it. it. Uh, it's like killing a Stompy. Cardassian, isn't it? Now, Stompy to motivate him. Stompy. Also, how did this guy get through? Cool under fire of the mountain lake. A, a wartime yes, assignment in Starfleet without killing anybody. He killed everybody because he was. I mean, very I'm, good at killing Cardassians. I'm saying uh, O'Brien. O'Brien's whole thing is that he never killed even a mosquito. His whole 
career. Don't you think you'd, you you have a pretty good chance? I mean, you, you forget the Federation is essentially a peacekeeping organization and really is a science But they were at war with Cardassia. Yeah. I'll tell you also, also this. Also, as the tactical officer, don't you? Does he? Maybe he just has the uh, cognitive dissonance of like, well, when I fire pew pews at a right at a ship ship, nothing's that, dying. That's what I assumed was the subtext. Um, I tell you, that's also an area. It probably doesn't. T- no, it doesn't time out right because it would have been post Star Trek. But that's like a, that's a period of time I'd like to see because in both Star Treks they refer to and TOSN and TNT yeah wars we never see yeah and it's I was like let's annoying. see the thing well it's more like you want to see the characters that you know going through the war right, right. which is the beauty of the Deep Space like Nine Picard the beauty of the last seasons of Deep Space Nine because they're at war oh okay great there you go he died at seven didn't he Yes, sir. Good old Stompy. What was that song of his? One he always sang, one I liked. The minstrel boy to the war has gone in the ranks of death. You will find him. We only know because the words are on the screen. His father's sword he hath girded on, and his wild harp slung behind him. Land of song, said the warrior bard, though all the world singing. <laughs> you don't know it that well. One sword. At least thy right shall guard One faithful heart shall praise thee Oh, he's getting it now. He's getting it now. He stopped singing. Like there's a red alert behind him the whole time. Real good. Didn't bother me at all. Really like the song, like the scene. And Cole Meany is... And they hear the score. I'm not going to win this one. I'm playing it. Oh, smart. Nice. No, sir. It's really like an old war war movie, like a 40s war movie. Mm-hmm. 1940s. Not Captain Vlog yeah. Supplemental. Captain Maxwell has turned his ship over to his first officer and transported aboard the Enterprise. I have confined him to quarters for the return voyage. Thank you, Chief. I'd just like to say, sir, he was a good man. But what he did was terribly wrong, I know that now. But I'm still proud to have served with him. Thank you, Chief. And well done. That'll be all. Think he could get a promotion out of this? Uh, his loyalty Would is be. admirable, even if it is misplaced. Here we go. Some good Picarding right here. The loyalty that you would so quickly dismiss does not come easily to my people, Galma said. You have much to learn about us. Benjamin Maxwell earned the loyalty of those who served with him. You know, in war, he was twice honored with the Federation's highest citation for courage and valor. Christopher Pike? And if he could not find a role for himself in peace, we can pity him. But we shall not dismiss him. You are welcome to your opinion, Captain. 
I, for one, am grateful he is under lock and key. One more thing, Galma said. Maxwell was right. Those ships were not carrying scientific equipment, were they? A research station within arm's reach of three Federation sectors. Cargo ships running with high-energy subspace fields that jam sensors. If you believe the transport ship was carrying weapons, Captain, why didn't you board it as Maxwell requested? I was here to protect the peace. A peace that I firmly believe is in the interest of both our peoples. If I had attempted to board that ship, I'm quite certain that you and I would not be having this pleasant conversation. And that ships on both sides would now be arming for war. Captain, I assure you... Take this message to your leaders, Galmaset. We'll be watching. Love it. Also, take a painting of my ship. I'm going to look at my painting presented. I drew myself in in cake crayon. Sir, that's a window. Oh, no wonder everything's moving. <laughs> All right, look, good way to end there, I think. Oh, so good. Really sort of satisfying in a way that uh, often uh, is lost. I agree with you 100%, and I'll say that it's uh, with twists and turns, they are either like what or they're like uh you see it coming a mile off yeah or it's clearly like you know the writers in the 11th hour are like i don't know how to finish this so we'll just you know retcon everything at the beginning of the episode to fit this dumb thing this was great i totally didn't see this coming i don't know anything about the cardassians obviously i knew that they're sort of the antagonists but i was kind of thinking up until this point I think this Gold Masset guy is actually pretty reasonable and being very patient. And it's surprising to me that they're presenting the Cardassians this way based on my sense that they later become the antagonists. And then it all adds up in the end. Oh, Andy likes a math problem that's solvable. Oh, it's great. Well, Andy, I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself here on this episode. And, uh... I just, I guess I'd like to know how how much you enjoyed yourself this episode You're after right. we give it NBC, <laughs> which is Chief O'Brien. Well, guess what? It's none of the above. It's Chief, Chief. O'Brien. Oh, I thought you were going to say the full name, but I didn't know the full name. Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. There you go. Chief Petty Officer Miles Edward O'Brien of Dublin. He's really great in this episode. As a character, as an actor, they really must have been chomping at the bit to give him more. I really don't know why my dog is barking. The door is open. He can't go out. He can't go in. Uh, anyway, Andy, uh, yeah, Chief Edward or Miles, Miles O'Brien, great job. You at NBC. You have, I think, piece of an NBC prior to this as well. You're in the running, sir. Uh, Andy, uh, what do you give this episode? A scale of one to ten Andys. Um, I think I really did like it. There's so much good in it. I really did like it. I think my, <laughs> okay, just FYI, yeah. my, pre, my pre, uh, conversation 
note, even though Matt says we're not doing it anymore, was a 7.5. Uh-huh. And I almost feel like I want to kick it up a notch. Whoa! Emeril Lagasse just entered kicking it up a notch with some spice. Bam! Bam! <laughs> um, do I like it an 8? Uh, do you? Do you really like it an 8? Um, I'm going to keep it 7.5. Bam! So, just the same. Andy, I, uh... Look, if I had to rate this prior, I probably would have said... I probably would have given it an 8. Uh-huh. And after the conversation with you, I think that I'm confident in staying an 8. An 8? There you go. I like it a little bit more than Andy, and this is an episode I've probably honestly maybe seen three times, ever. It What's really weird is, is well-written. The next episode. It's a very well-written episode. Devil's Do? Yeah. I've seen... No word of a lie. 75 times. <laughs> really? <laughs> it is my number one, I'm going to sleep, and I'm going to play a Star Trek episode of my headphones. I'll put this one on. Because it's, it's a sleepy episode? Or? I don't know. It's just something so enjoyably comforting about it Interesting. in a way that I, uh, I'm excited. You know, it's funny, Andy. Is I've seen this so much and so recently that last night when I was watching um, The Wounded for today's episode, and then I was like, oh, better watch The Devil's Do. Actually, I said, I better watch the next episode. And as soon as it started, I was like, oh, nope, don't need to. It's all in here. Sure. So, right down to the bad acting at the top, inside the holodeck. Yes. <laughs> here we go. Here's the trailer the for Devil's Do. comes the ultimate evil. Who are you? The devil. A demonic power terrorizes a peaceful planet. These people are all convinced that their world is coming to an end. And a deadly game of seduction could steal Picard's soul. I can do anything for you, Captain. Your life is in danger here. Enterprise, come in. You ship is gone, Captain. Duel with the Devil on Star Trek The Next Generation. It's amazing. Most of the trailers, they have the TNG music in the background. This, they have this weird '90s like synth music. That's it's really crazy. Really dates it in a weird way. Uh, I'm gonna fire up the old. Uh, that's it. Next week, Devils Do. This week, uh, we're gonna pop back over to the uh, President's Circle. Uh, we gotta head through the Admirals Club first. Interesting. There we go. Something in the guard, I think, we're to transport it in. Well, as we can see, this is the door we need to go in, and here we go. Andy, here we are again, and I believe it's raining one more time. What's happening out there? Some up, oh, rain is returned. Time to say hello to our for our, our, our Patreoners who are getting uh, some fun episodes. Uh, if you're gonna miss us over the holidays, fear not, because we have a wonderful assortment of episodes available over on the Patreon. Sign up now, get the back catalog. I'm a little late uh, on the poll, but it should be up by the time you hear this. It's not up already? Well, I guess we don't record until next week anyway. You got a week to vote, everybody. Oh, it's really coming down in here. Hello, DJ. It's too wet. (laughs) Too wet. All right. Do you think every podcast that people are listening to this week talked about the rain because of Los Angeles podcasts and the nature of them? Most podcasts out in Los Angeles. And most of the people listen to out here are. 
Anyway, it's time to say hello in alphabetical order. Uh, last week, we had A, B, some C's. It's time for some D's. Uh, Dan Cozier. Dan McLeod. Daniel Perez. Darren Dishong. David Erickson. Dean Wilson. Uh, Derek Atkinson. Derek Hawkins. Derek Westover. Diane M. Martin. Oh, Diane, too kind. Doug Atkinson. Drew Parkinson. Uh, Edward Ingram. Elizabeth Simpson, who is one of our Pike uh, awardees today. Wow. Emily Eldred, hello. Eric Maughan, thank you so much. Uh, Ernesto Castagna. Bo, uh, you're excited about it, too. Uh, Everett Burgess. Uh, Fred Coppersmith. Frederick Roy. Gareth Case. Gary Martinez. Jeff Gannon. Hooten Waddle. <laughs> Ian Buckley. J.D. Cohen. Okay, next page, Andy. We got to do, you know, because of the uh, Christmas break, we got to get through a little more per week this week. I hear you. Uh, James Gilly. Jason Sinclair. Jason the Quail Quailsburg. Jeff Kelso. Jeffrey D. Hansen. Jesse Glaspy. Jesse Hendricks. Jet Jerkins. Jillian Randles. Jet Jerkins. Oh. Um, Joe Fermanek. Joel Cude. Jonathan Wentz. Josh Jush Monroe. Josh Bald. Juan Duchesne. Julie Phillips. Kamal Abul Hosen. Hausen? Hassen. Hosen? We'll find out. One of them has to be right. Karen Van Hoff. Catherine Simmons. Kathleen Guzman. Katya Wilson. Keith Bodayla. Kelly Coe. Kelly Newman. Kevin. Kevin Cortecas. Kim Vilsek. And if you oh boy, like Andy thinks we're done. Name. We're not. I oh, meant to really? give him one more page, oh, unless you want to read three next week. No problem. Whatever you want. I mean, look, it's uh, you know we'll do it next week because it's a shortened uh, seventh page there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a member of the President's Circle, it's very easy. Go to Patreon.com and uh, forward slash that Star Trek TNC. Uh, we appreciate it more than you know. It's the only thing that keeps us coming back each week. It's <laughs> not true. Uh, thank but we you. do appreciate it nonetheless, and there's tons of bonus content over there. Yeah, come on. You want to hear Matt and uh, Andy go over uh, something like uh, Hulk? We yeah. did it. That's right. You want to hear us talk about uh, the second episode of the Oroville? We did it. You want to get preferential treatment as a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee? We'll do it. Uh, uh, anyhow. Well, thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you around. Uh, it's time for Andy and I to depart. For, uh, let's say, greener pastures, but really it's just the cold deadness of space. Here we go. This is Gage.